0: Hey everyone, I'm Amanda. And I'm Allie. We are so glad you have joined us today.
1: Our podcast is a platform for women to share their stories. We have a different woman share her story on the first of every month.
0: Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but in the end, it's always encouraging.
1: Be sure to hit subscribe so you'll be alerted the next time that we have a podcast. We'd also love to connect with you on Facebook, on Instagram, or even our website, livingoutloud.today.
0: Thanks for joining us today. We hope you will enjoy the show.
1: Now it's time to get to know our next guest.
0: Okay, Nicole is originally from Seattle, Washington. She moved to Jackson, Tennessee about 10 years ago for graduate school. This is where she met her husband, Lee. Um, They lived in Memphis for four years after graduating and then moved to Oxford in December of 2015. Um, They have a beautiful child, Lily, who just started kindergarten at Lafayette Elementary, and they are members of First Baptist Church in Oxford. Um, She and Lee work together as nurse and ethicist for Willow Anesthesia. So we're so glad you're here. Let's give her a hand. Nicole is a personal friend of mine, and I've gotten to know her over the last year, And um, she is precious, and I know a lot of you know her, too, and know that to be true. And um, when we were praying about who God had for this night, our special guest, we always pray like we always do for the people who come on our show. And so we were just praying, and we actually had um, someone else on our mind, and we reached out to that person. We thought that that was the person, and so we never heard back from that person. And I'm like, I don't even know if it really, like the message got to her. Um, but I did not feel like I needed to reach back out to her because I told Allie, I was like, I'm not feeling like that. That is the for sure person. And, um, Nicole and I had lunch just for her birthday. And so, um, I wasn't thinking about her coming at all. And, um, I think it was about a, two weeks later, it was right before I was getting ready for Bible study, and God put her on my mind, and I knew, like, I knew when He's tried to tell me other things, and it was for sure, I was like, oh my goodness, she is supposed to be our our speaker. Um, our guest who would share their story, but I was like, I do not know if she is ready. I don't know if she's going to be willing. Um, but I just knew that I was supposed to reach out to her. So um, I had to leave her a message because it was right before Bible study, and I was like, i got to go, and I normally would not just do that and be. So anyway, she called me back and told me that she knew that she was supposed to, and so I'm going to let her kind of share a little bit of that, of how she knew she was supposed to be here.
2: If Amanda had asked me two days earlier if I would come do this tonight, I would say, I'm so sorry. Uh, This is not my thing. I'm not your girl. I'm very uncomfortable speaking in front of people. Never done this before and would never in my life imagine that this is something I would be doing. But I was at Bible study on a Wednesday night and our Bible study leader was closing up for the evening talking about miracles. And she said, if you have experienced a vast miracle in your life, you have a responsibility to share those to encourage other people. My whole body felt like it was on fire. And I was like, what am I supposed to do right now? I just felt it. And I was like, do I stand up? You're not supposed to stand up when Ms. Fitz is talking. What do I do? And I was just felt very nervous. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but I knew I was supposed to do something. I have miracles that I have witnessed that apparently I need to share. So I went home after Bible study feeling like I failed, I didn't do something that I was supposed to do, went to sleep, very stressed out about it. And if it wasn't the next day, it was shortly after. Amanda called and said, will you be our guest? And I said, oh, it's that thing that I never thought I would do. (laughs) Yes, I'll do it. Yes, sir. Um, So that's how this happened.
0: I love it. That's so awesome. Um, Nicole, you have just gone through the hardest season of your life. And um, you have experienced some of a mom's worst fears. And um, I think a lot of us know some of your story, but um, would you just take the time to share with us what the last three years have looked like for you and your
2: family? Sure. And this this really has been the hardest almost three years that, I can't imagine anybody going through. I know people go through hard times, but this has been life-changing for myself and my family. And a lot of you know bits and pieces, a lot of it, but there's a lot of things that I just haven't shared with people. But just to sum everything up quickly, this is our beautiful daughter, Lily. She's five years old, and there's a lot of very sad parts of this story, but just focus on this. This is her today. She's happy. She's beautiful. She's starting school. She's healthy. And... She is just a perfect image of God's creation. So this started about two and a half years ago, March of 2017, and ended just last month. Lily was diagnosed with ALL B-cell leukemia. And very emotional even talking about this. We we thought our lives were over. It was the worst news ever. It's just absolutely traumatizing. Um, we were at St. Jude in Memphis. Nine days after her diagnosis, I went into labor with twin babies that I was around 21 weeks pregnant with. Lost the babies that day. Um, that Christmas, not not long after, I lost my father very suddenly to cancer and was going back and forth from Seattle to St. Jude just trying to deal with so much loss. Um, we had... A little bit of quiet time in between with Lily doing well with treatments and then last Christmas she developed um, shingles which went to her spinal cord and brain and almost died from meningitis last year and um, she survived obviously and it kind of wraps up with October 10th last month she celebrated a very long-awaited no more chemo party so that's the big
1: How have you seen and experienced God work in miraculous ways, like you talked about?
2: Okay, there is a lot of ways, and I don't know why. For some reason, I felt like I had to share pictures with this. And please excuse me how elementary this is. I bought out every phone board from Dollar General, <laughs> and um, but it just I felt like I had to share the miracles that. I have seen in my life so I'm just going to stand up now. Um, so and I apologize if some of these are kind of disturbing to look at but just remember this is the end. Um, I'll put that one right there. So before Lily was born I was 18 weeks pregnant with her and I went into labor, had contractions, went to my doctor, was given medications. So it was not working. I was still having contractions and I was told there's basically nothing we can do. If this doesn't work, I'm so sorry, you're gonna lose that baby. Prayed, our church prayed, I was so afraid, and all of a sudden, the contractions just stopped. Went into the doctor's office the following Monday, they did an ultrasound, they said, your baby's fine, and this is the picture we got. And I don't know if this is something that just Lee and I were meant to see or if anyone else can see this, but we looked at this picture, and I see Lily facing this way, And I see Jesus looking down on her. And we both saw that instantly. It might have just been a picture for us, but we knew God was with her. God had his hand on her, and this is something he showed us. I'm like, how how did we deserve God showing his face to us? Um, That was the first thing. We knew that she was something special. Um, This is... So no, I'll get to that, but when okay, so after after I lost the babies and Lily was about to, she was starting chemotherapy. One of the chemotherapy okay. drugs um, makes you prone to have a blood clot, and Lily developed a blood clot in her leg, all the way from her groin to her foot. Um, We noticed her leg turning purple. We brought it to the doctor's attention. They thought, maybe it's okay. They did an ultrasound. She was moving around so much that they said, this is inconclusive. We really felt like something was wrong though. And they said, we'll wait to make a determination on the blood clot when we put her to sleep to do a spinal. When they put put a needle in her back to give her spinal chemo and we'll do it at that time. A Couple days go by, her legs turning purple. We're freaking out. And finally, they put her to sleep, do the spinal, massive blood clot, we need to do surgery immediately. Next morning, she goes down to surgery and um, getting ready to go, she had the medicine, the verse head, so she's kind of out of her mind. They're basically pushing her back to the operating room and my husband says, I don't even know where this came from, but the voice, he just heard it. He said, what about the spinal? And the surgeon said, stop, stop right now. Because what they were about to do was put a catheter in her leg and give a medication, it's called TPA, but it's a massive blood thinner. And had they have done that, it would have bled into her spinal cord and she would most likely have been dead. Um, Or at least severely brain damaged wouldn't have been able to walk. So because he said that, at that second, God placed that on his mind. It saved her life right then and there. However, they also said... Because we have to wait a certain number of days after the spinal for it to be safe for her to have this operation, she will no longer be in the time period where the blood clot will not have caused too much scar tissue, so she'll no longer be able to have this operation. So now we're looking at her losing her leg, and this is just because we missed out on time. We were, I mean, this is terrible news, crying, praying, and again, my husband was doing research, talking to his friends, and found some a surgeon at Vanderbilt that did do the operation after the allotted time frame. It must have been like 10 days. And he spoke to the surgeon, got the surgeon to agree to still try to save her leg after it was safe and after the spinal. I was not completely on board with this. I was like, Lee, are you sure this is her life? This is a life versus a leg, are you sure? And he's like, I'm sure, I'm comfortable with this. And so the surgery was scheduled and... I'm scared, scared to death. This is, I mean, the blood thinner, any bleed anywhere could kill her. Um, we were staying on campus at a place called Tri Delta House the night before the surgery, and we were doing pretty much nothing but praying that night. My husband was reading the Bible, and I remember hearing somewhere that the only way you can really face God and approach Him with prayer is on your face. I was on my face in that hotel room, pleading to God, please let this work. Please don't let her die. Just please, please be with her. My husband's looking out the window, and he said, Nicole, come here. He's reading the Bible. And there was a rainbow right over St. Jude. It was not raining that day, but theres there was two, actually. I printed out the whole thing right over St. Jude. And I was like, How? again we don't deserve to be shown these things but god is showing us this is okay i'm going to take care of your baby tomorrow so she goes to surgery and this kind of leads into the next part of the miracles she had to stay in icu for one week there was a catheter in her leg that would constantly infuse this blood thinning medication to break up the clot and every single day she had to be taken to surgery to kind of break up the clot some more and get some of it out. She had to be paralyzed with a medication that paralyzes your whole body and kept to sleep the entire time. So, one week on a um, on a ventilator. Now, I apologize y'all, it's kind of hard, but just remember, she's fine. She was in a medically induced coma for a week with her leg perfectly straightened. Um, this was a very scary and very hard week. This Um, Kind of a backstory to why this is a miracle is Lee and I both do anesthesia. That's what we were called to do by God. My family, I came from a family who did not go to college. They had a construction company, a cleaning business, and one way, somehow, I know how, I ended up doing anesthesia. I was a registered nurse and went to graduate school and became a nurse anesthetist and I kind of feel like God prepared me my entire life for this one week of Lily in the ICU mm-hmm. because I'm very well trained in heart rhythms, medical emergencies, and there were so many during this week. Mm-hmm. But I can't see it. I, was, I kept an eye on her heart monitor nonstop. and one point, I noticed that her heart rhythm was slowing down. I realized it was probably from one of the medications that was keeping her asleep. I talked to the ICU doctor, he disagreed with me. I said, she's going into heart block, which means her heart's about to stop. I know what comes next after this. And he finally got an EKG and sure enough, she was in heart block and was able to stop the medication and change it. And I was like, had it been any other parent in here, they may not have even looked at the monitor. So I'm like, God, thank you so much for giving me this knowledge to look after her like this. And it's a, it's a horrible responsibility to be a mom and having to feel responsible for your daughter's life, but also just a miraculous gift. Mm-hmm. And the second part of this, when finally she was done, they said the blood clot had mostly resolved, her leg would be saved, and they decided <clears throat> it was time to take the tube out. She was receiving a paralytic that we usually give like a one dose when we put someone to sleep for surgery and then it'll kind of wear off and we'll give a reversal drug to reverse a paralytic. But she had been on it for a week straight. And we hadn't experienced what would happen after someone's been on a paralytic for a week straight. The ICU doctors there had admitted they had never taken care of anyone in this situation before, had never done anything like this. It was the first case for St. Jude to have a child with cancer and the blood clot. So they're like, all right, we're going to pull the tube out. Again, this is Lee and I's specialty, so we know what to look for. He deemed it safe for her tube to come out. We both just knew she's not breathing. She's still paralyzed. So she was paralyzed without a breathing tube. And as crazy as this sound sounds, Lee and I took over in that situation. It was just automatic. I grabbed a bag mask, started actually resuscitating my own daughter, bagging her. Lee was calling out the drugs that needed to be given. An anesthesiologist from the hospital happened to be walking by and Lee said, Hey, do you have neostigmine, a reversal drug, in your pocket? And he's like, Yeah, I do. And gave that drug, Lily came back. And we're just, you, you just can't, I can't even think about it. It just doesn't, nothing makes sense besides God prepared us our entire life and our careers. For that week for Lily to stay alive. So she got that reversible drug, opened her eyes and smiled at me. Uh-huh. That's her, I think we said, do you want chicken nuggets? <laughs> um, so I'm sorry, I have so many miracles to share. Okay, all right, um, so that was good. Things started going well after that. Lily started receiving Weekly IV chemotherapy and then ke- chemo at home. Um, we finally get to go home from the hospital. It's a very scary time because we were at St. Jude for almost three months. We're finally at the house, and now I feel even more responsible to look after her. And I am I feel responsible for her life at this point and just, just scared, all the time scared. Um, I know the day, it was May 19th, because this is a... Very important day to Lee. He had a best friend who was born on the same day that he was. Who ended up being a marine sniper and he died in the marines on May 19th. And Lee wears a bracelet to remember him. And it's just the day we think about his friend Cooper. Uh, we go to sleep that night. And we say a little prayer for Cooper and wake up in the morning. Lee starts looking at his phone and he was like, "Nicole, you won't believe this." And I'm like, "What is it, sweetie?" And He said, I just have a Facebook message from a girl I don't really know. She is Cooper's cousin, and she said, what this message said was, Lee, I know you don't know me very well. I'm Cooper's cousin. We kind of met before. I know how much he meant to you, and I'm sure you were thinking of him as well. I just want you to know that I had the most beautiful dream just having a normal conversation with Cooper. It was so natural. It was like it was real. And then at the end of the dream, he said, Well, I have to go now. And she said, Okay. And he handed her. He handed her a bouquet of lilies and said, We are not ready for lilies yet. Dream over. And she goes, I knew instantly that I had to share this with you. I've been following your daughter's story. And I, I know this was a message for you. And Wow. Okay. He's not going to take her. Okay. So God is speaking to me. He's not going to take my baby. And of course I still didn't really listen, but, um, that was that we had, we had a pretty, pretty good year, uh, with Lily. Lily stayed healthy. She was getting her chemo. It's, It's a two and a half year treatment, so it's a long run. And, Things just seemed to kind of normalize for a while. I was still having a lot of unresolved issues with losing the twins that just kind of had to get buried because I was taking care of Lily. But last Christmas, she got a rash on her leg and we thought it was kind of weird. We showed her doctor. He didn't think about, think anything of it. He was like, oh, it's kind of weird. Whatever." Um, she started getting a fever. She was really lethargic. She was getting sicker. We had to bring her into St. Jude's emergency room. They gave her antibiotics. She's like, my head hurts. Turn the lights off. Send her home. I, I don't know why I wasn't thinking what was wrong with her, and we just couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, the rash started to spread, and Lee was on his way to work one morning and. I guess Lee may be more in tune to hearing God's voice than I am, because once again, he heard, he just heard, he goes, and I don't, we do anesthesia. We don't deal with diagnosing medical conditions. He heard God say, what if it's shingles? And it's not typical for shingles because shingles is usually on the back and this rash was on her leg. And he texts her doctor and said, what if it's shingles? And he said, you know what? That would make sense. Brought her back in, but by that point, Um, the virus had already gotten into her spinal cord and then into her brain. So she was going downhill very, very fast. Not eating, not drinking. The rash spread. They put her on antibiotics, antivirals. Nothing was working. The fissure was 105, her temperature, and... oh, (laughs) This was after the blood clot and she woke up. She had to learn how to walk again. This was just, I was just displaying that this kid never stopped smiling, like going through the worst times, and she's like, look, look, I'm walking with my little walker, and she's just the happiest little thing, (laughs) learning to walk. But anyways, this was, this is when the rash spread to her face. Fever was 105. Lee and I both knew what was coming next, and that was seizures. She started losing, normal mind function. She was confused out of her mind, yelling up all night. She didn't know who she was, where she was. It was absolutely terrifying and none of the medications were working. And I thought, here we are, um, a year and a half or so into treatment and now she's going to die of meningitis. Like this is, I just couldn't believe it. And we, we really felt like this is it. We're going to, we're going to lose her now. So many people came in. I'm sure some of you came in and prayed for her, prayed on her in the hospital. And there was one time Beth and Laura or and Sarah came to pray, put their hands on her. I put my hands on her. I was willing to do absolutely anything. They just prayed over her, prayed for healing. And I heard clear as day, not a voice, just a feeling, this is going to get worse, but then it's going to get better. And they stopped praying, and I said, hey, I just heard this. And so I think this is going to get worse, and it's going to get better. She did get a lot worse. Like the screaming at night got worse. The fevers got worse. The doctors were, had that real nervous look in their eye when they came in with really nothing to say each day. And one day it just flipped. She just started getting better, and there was no explanation for it at all. One of the doctors, it was actually the, the head of infectious disease there, came in and after she was getting better and able to go home, said, I can honestly not take credit for your daughter surviving this. It's yeah. enough for me. <laughs> um, so, was that miracle? After that, things have gone pretty well for up until the end. Of course, you're always nervous. You're ch- nervous about your child getting sick, but she did good. And last month, we got to celebrate her you no know, more chemo, and that was on October tenth. And oh, this was this was Christmasly. This was our hospital room at Christmas. We decorated the windows. It was scary, but this was her no more chemo at the hospital. <laughs> This is a big deal. The kids there know about the confetti. They get confetti thrown on their no more chemo day. And just as her mom, I wanted this day to be so special because of everything she's been through, everything we have been through. I was racking my brain like, how can I make this day as big as her life has been? And what can I do? And I got everybody matching t-shirts, invited everyone I could to just crowd her, crowd the hospital cookies, a little, she has a brick with her name on it at the hospital now, and it was pretty amazing, but still my heart felt like, I want the whole world to stand up and cheer for her, like this, she has been through so much, she has never quit smiling, and she is a child of faith, she sings praise, she praises, she talks about God all the time, like this child deserves so much more recognition, and my mama heart just needed something else, and of the latest miracles. So her last day of chemo was October 10th. And a while back, uh, was, look, just, I was just know probably playing on Facebook, and I saw that Lauren Daigle was coming to Memphis on October 10th, and I was like, no, and that's one of Lily's favorite artists. She knows all of her songs. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I need to take her to go see Lauren Daigle on October 10th. It's her last day of chemo. This will be a great surprise. She will love it. And I went to New York with one of my friends who just kind of randomly invited on invited me on a girl trip that I didn't know anyone. And I started talking about Lily, how her last day of chemo was coming up and that I'm gonna probably take her to a Lauren Daigle concert afterwards. And meanwhile her friend's just kind of texting on the phone and I'm like, I don't know what she's doing. And she's like, Don't buy tickets. I'm, like, I'm sorry, what what is she goes, um, I I know somebody in the industry and I could probably get you some tickets. I'm like, okay. And so I go home. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to buy tickets. A couple of months go by. I never hear anything from her. I'm like, okay, I should probably buy tickets. And then <laughs> I was like, well, maybe I'll just text her and see something. I text her and didn't hear anything back. And I'm like, oh. okay, I'll just get tickets at the door. It'll be okay. Um, and then probably a week before the, her last day, she's like, I'm so sorry. Yes, I have tickets. It's my uncle. He's going to have the tickets available for you. And... He wants to talk to you. So I called him and he's like, oh, yes, I have you, you four tickets and I'm working on a meet and greet. I don't know if it can happen, but I'm trying to make it happen. I thought that'd be really cool, but I'm not mentioning anything to Lily. Um, it was literally the night before on October 9th at the night he called me. He's like, hey, I just want to let you know that meet and greet went through. And so y'all can just show up and pick up your VIP passes and your tickets. I still have no idea where the seats are, what's going on. We finished this day, and I just didn't know what to expect. It ended up being a private meet and greet beforehand. And this is Lily's thing. Why this is so big is because Lily said she was born to be on stage, <laughs> sings all day long. Like, this is her thing, singing and dancing and being in front of people and performing. Not like me at all. Um... So Lauren Daigle and her fell in love. They're now best friends. They were singing all, I'm serious, like 45 minutes before the show. They're cheering each other on. She goes on stage. We find our seats. I get a tap on my shoulder. Hey, do you think Lily would like to go on stage with Lauren Daigle? And I was like, Lily, you want to go on stage? Yes. (laughs) So... (laughs) There she goes, up on stage with Lauren Daigle in front of thousands of people. Lauren Daigle's wearing a No More Chemo shirt because Lily gave her one. She sings um, Dry Bones Come Alive on stage. She is the happiest child alive. And there are, this is so blurry, but I just had to show it, thousands of people clapping and cheering for her. That's what I needed. Cause that's what she deserved. And there is, like, I could not give her this gift. Only God could orchestrate this. Like, this just, every little detail was orchestrated by God to give her a standing ovation by thousands of people by her favorite singer singing on stage. This is what Lily Baker deserved on her last day of treatment, and this is what he did for her and for my heart. And there goes the pen. <laughs> this was just it's all going down. Anyways, this is the smile that she deserved. Um, I'll leave that one up. That's right. That's it. That's the rest of it. So, uh, there's much miracles.
0: <laughs> it's a lot of miracles, and I just there's so much that we could break down with all of that. Because that we always say, like, with our, our story, we have all these chapters and you do have a lot of chapters, and yeah, it's good. But um, But just thinking about how, I just think about how sweet God is and how He cares about all the details, the little details and the big details. Just like you said, like, only God could do that for Lily and for you. Like, all those people cheering, that's what your mama heart desired. And and for her being a singer and wanting to be on stage and loving Lauren Daigle, I mean, the day, the day of, like, that was orchestrated only by the Lord. And... We all go through suffering, whether it's physical illness, whether it's your children that you're having to see suffer, which is suffering for you, um, and it could be marital problems, it could be relation, relational problems, it can be all of those things. But I think when I, we all go through it. But he says that he will never leave us, and I know we're going to talk more about that. But I just think about all those miracles, and I think so many times, if we would just stop to see the miracles and choose to see, because so many times we like chalk it up as coincidence. Um, but we have to choose to see, you know. And um, God is still the same God. Um, when He split the sea, I mean, I'm still just, I still just, I think that's amazing that He split the sea, and He still does miracles today, just like what you. Um, all of those that you shared did you have anything you want to say before I ask this next question okay Um, so you've gone through a lot beyond horrific things Um, how did you handle the devastation and the heartache Um,
2: this is the harder part to talk about because just to be completely honest I did not handle it very well. Like I would love to say I maintained perfect faith, kept my eyes on the Lord and stayed strong. And and that's what I wanted to do, but I just couldn't, y'all. I I was afraid, and that was my weakness, and I think as a mom, when it comes to your children, you you want to have control, you, you want to take care of everything, you want to fix everything, and the hardest thing to do is to give up the control and just give it to the Lord. Like, I just, I couldn't do it, and I was so afraid, so stressed out, felt such a burden, such a responsibility that I basically lived in a self-destructive fear. I I was scared all of the time, and that fear was, like, a poison in my life. It, I felt like after about two years, I was a completely different person than I didn't even know myself. I found myself getting angry all the time, angry at the doctors, snapping at the doctors, fighting with my husband all the time. It was just fear and anger was my go-to, all because I would not pray to God to help me. I prayed all along for God to help Lily. I wanted him to help her and save her but i never prayed for god to help me and i lay down in bed at night and prayed for her and felt like i couldn't breathe because i was so overwhelmed and i didn't share this with people i held it in i didn't i wanted to be a good christian and a good role model but i just i let it eat me away to the point where i feel like my marriage was suffering greatly and i was going into a deeper and deeper depression to where i would feel like the pain was so much that i couldn't do it anymore i was like i can't i can't live like this anymore i found myself like getting angry trying to involve myself in too many activities to some good some bad like i'd volunteer for a lot of things as a distraction or i found myself drinking more beer than i ever had in my life as a distraction and Either way, it was just a distraction from what I should have been doing, should have been praying, should have been keeping my eyes on the Lord, and I finally got to a point where I felt like I can't live like this anymore. I just can't. This was probably really just about six months ago. like, I cannot do this. My life is horrible. I don't want to live like this, and I prayed to God. I said, please help me. I got on my face again and said please help me I can't live like this help me deal with this I don't know what I'm supposed to do but I need you and little by little he he started helping me I ended up getting referred to a wonderful counselor who specialized in the kind of treatment I needed for PTSD type experiences and um, helped me with some negative and false disbeliefs I had around the twins dying helped me give myself grace for being a human being and in freaking out like instead of turning to God. Like I'm a human. I'm born with sinful nature. I am this is how I was born and we really have to make a choice to turn to God instead of let our human sinful nature take over and I let it take over. I let the fear eat me alive and that's okay because i'm human we are all human and that's all right um so i think that was the end of that story <laughs> <laughs> well all right, for I do, it's kind of a sad, in-depth story, but it is the last miracle that I've experienced, and one that I feel like has been the greatest. Um, so, okay, all right. So I'm gonna just give the backstory. This is about the twins, and this is something that I held in and didn't address, and it was horrible day we lost the baby, so we were in the waiting room for Lily to receive her first chemo. I went into labor, and I knew exactly what was going on. I told Lee, I was like, help me, help me, please help me, and it hurt so bad, and he went and got the car. We had a grandmother there, thankful to be with Lily, to take her to get her first chemo. I went out the doors of St. Jude. I was panicking, um... I mean, I could feel the babies kick. They were there. They had names, and Emil and Ella. And Lee pulled up the car. I got in, and he looked at me and said, "Where do you want me to go?" I screamed, I was "Like, do something! Help me! I don't know what to do. Like, I'm in labor right now. I don't want to lose these babies. Please, God, don't take these babies!" And and he just started driving, probably aimlessly. And then um, I think he started just driving towards the hospital in Memphis where we had Lily. And I called my doctor's office in Oxford. who was on vacation. Like, what do I do? And, and meanwhile, I'm in labor. I'm hurting, could hardly breathe. Lee's like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'm like, just do something. I was so furious with him asking me what he wants me to do because I'm in labor. I'm like, you're my husband. Please help me out. And I called my doctor in Memphis, who delivered Lily, and knew that she was almost preterm. She knew everything about me. And she's like, come to my office, Nicole. So, like, take me to her office. Went to her office. I was sitting in there, filling out forms. Work, like, my my contractions were a minute apart. That's when you know the babies are coming. I'm like, sitting there in the office, people were staring at me. And I'm like, (gasps) breathing and I'm like we gotta go we gotta go I don't know what to do She finally she got me to the back she did an exam and she's like, Nicole, we have to go to the hospital right now there is an extremity. this is happening right now. I screamed. no, no God no do not my babies. no this is we're nine days into Lily's diagnosis I'm like no, this can't happen. get back in the car, rush to the hospital my water broke on the way to the hospital get in there. And she's like, this is it. They're coming. And they can't be saved. So I delivered the babies. They were alive. Um, I held Ella. Lee held Emil. They were alive maybe a minute, and they died in our arms. And I felt extreme guilt. Like, this is my fault. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I just, all I remember was shaking my head no over and over again. No and saying, I'm, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, and they let them stay with me almost through the night, and I just kept crying, and putting my hands on them, and saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, because I felt like they did not deserve to be dead, they deserved to be alive, and, and I did something wrong, and, and then time went on, and I felt like, Lee didn't do something right that day, that he should have done something, done anything. You, you're a medical professional, and you just stared at me and said, what do I do? I didn't really, you know, he's a man, and he was also panicking. He really did not know what to do in that situation, um, but I blamed him, resented him, like, huge resentment, and... I blame myself, I'm like, I know better, why didn't I do something, why was I so stressed out, why didn't I try to get a surplage, why didn't I do something, like, my body failed them, and this is my fault, and these babies were God's perfect creation, and because of us, because we suck as people, they are dead, and, and this is not okay, and this is never, ever, ever going to be okay. But that had to go inside me and just stay there, and I had to put on a smile and take care of this baby. And if Lee and I ever talked about it, I was pretty much like, I hate you. I mean, you, you are responsible for killing our children, and I don't like you. Um, we never really talked about it. There just wasn't anything to say. One time he did share with me, Nicole, I don't know how you're going to feel about this. But I felt like God spoke to me and said that the twins had to die so that Lily could live. I was furious. I said, how can you say that? They are supposed to be here. We did this. They're supposed to be here. And I was so mad at him. And I was like, who is this person? I don't even know him. And just held on to that anger, that resentment. I sucked it in and... Good two years. It just it just stayed like that. It just wasn't okay. The babies were gone, and it was not okay. Never, ever would be okay. And then it wasn't until that time I broke down on my face and said, God, please help me. I was having PTSD-type nightmares where every single night I'd lay in bed and relive the day I gave birth to the twins. And you know how you have those dreams when you're falling and you wake up before you hit the ground? I would wake up to shaking my head no and just screaming no or saying I'm sorry over and over again. Like, I can't live like this anymore. I'm angry at everyone. I can't breathe. My life is completely different. I just, I wanted to die. I couldn't live like this. A counselor I was seeing referred me to, Miss Anna? Hey. Um, And she started helping me. I told her what I was going through, and because of her, she opened me And my heart up to the idea that what if it was God's plan to take the twins? What if he made a decision that you could not make? What if? I know, I don't think so, but I I heard you. It's in there. Um, I thought on that for a while. I'm like, why? You know, God wouldn't do that. And I went home, and if it wasn't that day... I don't remember what it was all I know is this beautiful happy child was sitting at the table probably eating Fruit Loops and watching her iPad and I walk in the door she just walks up and but it was just days after that that idea was just implanted into my heart and she goes mommy I'm like hey sweetie what's up and she goes you know about the babies that are in heaven I'm like yes yeah, sweetie what's going on and she goes I just want to let you know that it's not your fault and the babies had to go to heaven so that I could live and that St. Jude would save my life. I said, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? Y'all just dropped. And she goes, yeah, babies are having fun in heaven. They had to go there. They're okay. And so it was so St. Jude could save my life. Thank you. On oh, she goes. <laughs> and like, Lee and I never, like we as a couple never spoke about it or nevertheless spoke to Lily about it. But my jaw dropped. I ran and found Lee, and I was like, Lee, you will not believe what she just told me. This is what she said. He ran there, and he was like, Oh, uh, Lily, hey, so what did you just tell Mommy? She repeated the exact same thing, and we basically had to excuse ourselves and have a breakdown, and right then I knew. I was like, wow, God spoke to Lee. I chose not to listen. That's what I do, And, and the only person that he could get to me through was Lily. She looked at me and smiled and said, Mommy, it's not your fault. The babies are okay. They're happy. So, Saint, you could save my life. This was a choice God made because he loved me so much. He made the choice. This is his plan because he loves me. And so, actually, there was a verse I did want to share with y'all that made me think of all my downfalls. I forgot it. It was Isaiah 30 Anna. 3019, you're my go-to. Where it where it says, um, we talked about it last week. Oh, um, it's thirty Yeah, it was Isaiah thirty nineteen, where it basically says that Isaiah 31, ten. Thirty one thirty one nine. 9. This is the last two sentences. Wait, you it to me. Oh, yeah, because I, I was thinking about it. You
1: you
0: read it?
2: Yeah, just the last two sentences, not the part about Israel. <laughs> 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 uh, wait. Isaiah 31.9? 9. 30.19. 30. Oh, my gosh. I'm oh sorry. <laughs>
1: He will be gracious gracious if you ask for
2: help He will surely respond to the sound of your cries you will weep no more and we were in bible study and i heard that and i had to write that down because i was thinking to myself he was standing there he was waiting he was helping lily he was guiding our family he was waiting for me to come to him he never left my side He was just waiting for me to cry out to him. And when I cried out to him and asked for help, he happily helped me, because he is so loving and so merciful. He didn't judge me for all my downfalls. He didn't judge me for my anger. He didn't judge me for not trusting him. He helped me and he brought peace into my life. That's it. Thank you.
0: Thank you because I know how this was so important for you to be able to share and because you knew God wanted you to share all of this, and we are blessed by it, Um, just opening up, being vulnerable to share all of that. And um, we just appreciate you, and we love you, and we're so thankful that Lily is doing good. And I think that's just an encouragement for all of us to remember that no matter what we're going through, no matter where you're at right now, that even if it feels like it, God has not left you. He is there and He is working. And even though we have to go through hard times, God is still... He makes all things good for those who love Him. And He uses those times. I know, like I hear in your story, um, just like in your story, I know the times that I've gone through things, I wouldn't want to go through those hard things again. But I also know that I wouldn't know Jesus the way that I do as my comforter, as my um, the great orchestrator in my life. And so it's like I wouldn't want to go through those hard times again, and I don't want to go through them again, which I know I will, but I'm stronger for it in Him, and I know Him better, and I know that He'll be faithful in the future because I've seen Him fight for me, and I know that He's going to continue to fight for me, And just like he's fought for you and he's fought for Lee. And I think it's so cool how you said he did, he used Lily, you know, and it's, I mean, I can look back in my, like, just situations in the last few years, I see how he's used my kids. And sometimes that is the only way that he can, like, get to us and and us listen, and especially in your story. Um, So with that being said, did you have anything you wanted to share? Okay.
1: There's so many things, obviously, that we can take from your story. But one thing I love is how you documented and how you wrote down everything. I'm sure you have a journal or something or just a bunch of random. I mean, I know yours are really big you know, markers. Um, But one thing I'm learning to do is to just write down even the small miracles, even the day-to-day things, because it's so easy for us to forget. And then when you look back and you or maybe at the end of that season and you can see just how God day after day after day pulled everything together it just really builds your faith and so that was encouraging to just see I know y'all are still walking out your story but to see on this end of it just how it started especially in photos I mean it's just so powerful so thank you